Hello and welcome to another edition of 99 Questions. I am your host, Bob Buell. This is, of course, an oddly numbered interview show where we ask all sorts of interesting people interesting questions. And join with me this week. Well, where don't you know him from is the real question. Uh, you might know him from Cracked. You might know him from After Hours or Off Hours. You might know him from Gamescom. You might know him from IGN. You might know him from the, I'm going to call it a podcast network, for lack yeah, of a better word, Small much. Beans. It's Michael Swaim. Michael, how are you? Whoa. Hey, Bob. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I have, of course. I'm thrilled to be here. And of oh. course, I've written a list of 99 answers that I will be reading in order, regardless <laughs> of what you ask me. Jeopardy style. I like yeah. it. You got the answers first. It's leftover like rubrics from uh, elementary school. It's like, <laughs> B, false, B, throw a couple C's in there. We're on our way. Somehow, yeah, B pass. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get into the questions, we got just uh, arguably too many of them. Uh, a couple quick uh, ground rules some terms and conditions right up front to set the stage. Like, ground rule number one, take as much time or as little time as you need to answer the question. But yes or no suffice? Give me a yes or no. If a short story about your life helps us get a better understanding of that answer, I want to hear that story. Ground rule number two. This might shock you, but this is not 60 minutes. And you can just pass over any question that you want if you don't want to answer it. No judgment. No worries. Uh, and ground rule number three. Despite the name of the show, 99 questions, some of these might be prompts. Some of these are words that I just put a question mark at the end of. That's not how sentences work. Uh, I might ask a follow-up. Who knows? We're just along for the ride. Interesting to me that questions is the part that you're explaining, but 99, you're like, but there will be fucking 99 of them. Can I oh, swear on this? Sure. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> I won't overindulge. Be privileged. Thank you. Hey, indulge all you would like, right. please. Uh, so that being said, the first of our non-counting questions. Mm. Michael, mm. are you ready? Oh, that? Okay. I'm. That's like a genie's wish loophole. We get that one for free. All right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ooh, as I, I said, it. the first answer is true. Second answer is B. Let's hope that works as well. Well, let's see. Question one. What's the perfect breakfast? Damn. I wondered what if, what were you stung by? Uh, what's <laughs> a B? A B. Final answer, Regis. Uh, no, the perfect breakfast. Uh, this is great. I'm going to do full stream of consciousness honesty. Uh, unless I don't feel like it, as you outlined in Bob's second rule of robotics. Uh, right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but this one seems innocuous enough. What comes to mind? Okay, so I would do, Trader Joe's has this thing called an unexpectedly cheddar sausage. Oops. Cheddar chicken sausage. Unexpectedly. I love that modifier that, in there. That yeah. is good. I'll throw that in the oven with uh, and, and a Trader Joe's hash brown patty. And then... Mm. Uh, I'll put, I'll do a bagel and some kind of cream cheese in the toaster. And at, while this is all cooking, I'll fry up some scrambled eggs with like seared jalapenos on there. Ooh, That'll do it. That is an unexpectedly yeah. excellent answer right <laughs> there. Uh, question number two. Who's the coolest dude? Boy, my comedy brain only spit out the fonts, but that's, eh. 
Bender. I'm going to go with Bender from Futurama. Ooh. Could not be allowed on television. Dangerously cool. Does not endure <laughs> the cool crime of stealing, etc. <laughs> <laughs> He's got so many cool aspects to That's him. True. I love it. Uh, question three. Steak, chicken, or fish? Chicken all the way. Wow. So versatile. It's it, the, it by a country mile the most yeah. versatile. And and I feel a bit bad about killing cows, much worse than I feel about killing chickens. Ooh. Fish, not so bad either, but I just don't care for it. Yeah. Something about fish's lack of eyebrows. It just, nothing phases them. Can't with that. That's yeah. right. Can't do Bad it. eyes. A doll's eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. Uh, question four. Best gift you've ever gotten? Oh, boy. Well, on a recent, oh, free plug, on a recent one-upsmanship episode, which is the video games podcast I do, beautiful. Uh, I talked about what is probably the most memorable for me, which was the Sega Genesis Ooh, with the pack-in Sonic the Hedgehog. And I can remember the smell of, back to breakfast, smell of the <laughs> breakfast that my dad cooked while I like, it was one of the only times in our lives he made deer sausage. Ooh. Which is a unique smell that's different than, you know, any other kind of sausage. And so I just have this memory of Christmas Day playing through the entirety of Sonic 1 with my greasy, greasy children's hands to the <laughs> smell of deer sausage. Good memory. Oh, I love it. I have very similar memories, but with the pack-in of Vector Man. Uh, oh, great one. Yeah. Fantastic. Dreamcast Day was big in my household as well. Oh. Yeah. 9 dollars 99 That's yeah. right. Straight nines, baby. <laughs> my best friend's birthday. Well, not 99. My best friend is not. But whatever. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, question five. Best gift you've ever given? I think it's probably... I'm going to count it because it's my question. So uh, I'm going to squint and count my proposal because it involved gifts. But I think it's the most I've ever tried because you want that to be good. And I, mm. it was this year. So I proposed with an elaborate treasure hunt. I'm flashing back to this late season episode of The Office where mm. Gabe <laughs> does a lecture about how it's not a scavenger hunt because that's getting items from a list. It's a treasure hunt because you're navigating a series of clues to an ultimate thing, which was, of course, the ring. Um, but my thing was subverting it and faking them out over and over. So there was a series of events that really always seemed like they were ramping to a perfect proposal moment, but instead would lead to a puzzle or challenge of some kind <laughs> that you had to figure out that would lead you to the next thing. And after about the fifth one, they were like, when is it going to fucking end? <laughs> Which was the, you know, the response I was hoping for. I think it went great. I love it. I yeah. love it. Uh, question six. What did you want to do for a living when you were a kid? First comic book artist, then actor, and then writer, which is what I is the bulk of what I do now, although podcasting's certainly a part of it um in a big way currently. But I think the art of conversation is also harkens back to like the acting part, the performance mm. part that I wanted to do. Uh I like used to dream of well, you know, our dreams take different directions. And like for the longest time now and then dating back like 20 years, it's been to make films, indie films. But there was a while in there where my dream was to be like Conan O'Brien or mm. David Letterman, like 
navigate myself to a John Oliver type situation. Yeah. Um, and I think podcasting really fulfills that kind of urge, but comic artists. Yeah. Comic artist originally. Yeah. Now I, I will ask one specifying mm-hmm. question here. Yeah. Comic like Sunday comic strip comic, like X-Men, no, you know, whatever. Yeah. Superheroes, which is what I like to draw. And to this day, I would say I draw in more of an illustratory comic book superhero style. But I think I actually ultimately fell out of love with it because with rare exceptions, and I know them, of course, and I love them, um, the bulk of comics, the storytelling, I find the writing is on the level of like, uh, you know, professional wrestling where it's like, it's rare. Sometimes there is a good arc and you're like, that was good. But usually it's just fine. And so the writing lost me, but um, but yeah, that's definitely the style I draw. In. Drew a lot of Sonic, drew a lot of Spider Man, yeah, drew a lot of Scud, the disposable assassin. Ah, <laughs> uh, the magic trifecta. Yes, mm. all three of them. Uh, question seven: What's the largest animal you can beat in a fight? Uh, I'm gonna say blue whale, Bob, because I'm a thinking human with the ability to like craft traps and shit. I just feel like I could figure it out if I really had to. The Inuit people have done have accomplished this since ancient times. I think I could Google how to kill a blue whale and get it done. I believe in you. I believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Also, we're selling out Madison Square Garden. This is the main event. You versus a blue whale. Yeah. I want to see it go down. As long as it's on dry land, like home turf. I feel like I win any home game against the blue whale. Yeah. The whale's uh, flight to New York is probably going to be okay. troublesome for it. Yeah. Uh, question eight. Who's someone you look up to? Oh, boy. Um. Well, I did a podcast that sort of delves deeply into this, but the first person that comes to mind for me is Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Uh, mm. I did a show called Kurt Vonnegut with uh, my pal Alex Schmidt, also an ex-cracked persona. And listen to that if you want all like the scoop on that, because that would be a six, seven, eight hour thing. But uh, uh, in a nutshell, I think that he combined. I think there's only like a dozen things about life that are true, that are actually true, that are mm. true for everyone universally. Of course, there's many truths that are like unique to each individual experience that happen to be true for you. But in the general sense, I, with almost a religious faith, believe in a few things like ultimately we're connected or, um, man, there's only a couple. I'd have to break this down, but like it is what it is. Like the ultimately nothing is quantifiable and everything is only an instantiation of what it literally is. That's all it can be. All right. There's a lot of philosophy behind this, but my (laughs) point is I feel like Kurt Vonnegut said, the true things the handful of things that are true and he said them with an air of comedy and good humor in the face of depression and i like appreciate all those things i think that's really well put also he wrote very short books that are super engaging to read uh and secretly it took him like the first draft of slaughterhouse five was 550 pages um, and it was edited oh. down to like 180 or whatever and is considered a master all-time masterpiece now. And uh, I appreciate someone who can make it see it look so easy by putting in so, so much work. Excellently said. Yes. Uh, question nine. First album you bought with your own money. Dude Ranch, Blink-182. Ooh, that's a good one. 
Very strong. <laughs> Damn it, I think is the first song I learned the words to in my life. <laughs> Question 10. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, that would be off Do Little by the Pixies, Monkey Gone to Heaven. Because there's a part where you get to go, if man is five, if man is five, then God is six, then and like like escalate the screaming over and over. And that's very on brand for me. <laughs> Question 11. Last song you listen to. Uh, Darlin by Toby Lou. And it is an excellent song that I've been listening to obsessively over and over. I highly recommend it. And then I listen to a bunch of Toby Lou and I'm like, oh, I, if you love him, great. But I'm like, yeah, this is all fine. It's kind of poppy. But that one song, that one song's got something special. So, darling. I got to check this out. Yeah. I like it. T-O-B-I-L-O-U. Uh, question 12. What's a band or musical artist you want to hear more from? God, it'll never happen. But Oingo Boingo, probably. Oh, wow. I think they have. They're uh, one of the more unique sounding bands. They're very guitar driven, classic rock, uh, verging on punk, but more like weird Halloween garish punk, of course, famously led by Danny Elfman, who has no reason to ever return to Oingo Boingo because he does. I mean, he's older guy now and he does Oscar winning movie scores like it's nothing, like three a year. Yeah. Uh, and has a team of people that he works with who do music that sounds inspired by him that he approves and all this stuff. So he's like an industry unto himself and doesn't need to do this anymore. But man, an Oingo Boingo reunion would be so cool <laughs> to me. I Fingers crossed. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I, I want their first iteration, the Mystic Knights of Oingo Boingo. Bring back the Knights! <laughs> <laughs> the hashtag is trending. How did we do this so quickly? This is amazing. Uh... Question 13. What's a song that brings the most emotion out of you? Oh, uh, this one. God, I remember. I mean, I struggle with depression pretty regularly, so the depression had something to do with it. But I was in a period of depression. and I remember driving in the passenger seat of my partner's car and singing along to this song and slowly sobbing and like breaking voice breaking and sobbing and saying, and they're like, should we just do a different song? What do you think? <laughs> um, but that song would be uh, Pink Floyd's The Gunner's Dream, which is tells the true story of his father from his father's point of view, who died falling out of a plane in World War II and having his parachute fail to open. And it really puts you in the mind of empathizing with what that must be like. And that must've been fucking scary and horrible to experience. <laughs> and it's just really well put. And then it goes on to extrapolate into like what he was fighting for and imagery, like bombers blowing up children's <laughs> and things. It's a super bleak song. Very good though. Uh, question 14. What's your favorite music video? Oh, shoot. That's so hard. Wow. Yeah. That's the hardest one thus far. <laughs> I don't have one. So I'm going to say the first one that flashed into my mind because I really favorite is such a precious word to me. I can't bandy it about. And we can't sit here for like 20 minutes while I go like there's a handful and I would have to think it through. Um, so the first one that comes to mind is O.N.E. by Yaysayer. Um, and that's just a cool ass music video that's sort of like a 
surreal take on a Moss Eisley cantina, some kind of otherworldly do you know, people wander into this bar like space that's got a lot of neon shit going on and it's quite enjoyable. Check that one out. I certainly will. Great song yeah. too. Uh question fifteen. You got a million dollars, but you have to donate it all to charity. What charity is it going to? Oh. Um it sucks that I don't know off the top of my head what like I would have to vet what's the most reputable or impactful, but it would I think what the question is getting at, my answer to that would be that climate change is my number one with a bullet issue that I'm concerned about. Um there are so many other issues that are intransigent and devastating like uh my partner spends their whole life combating things like institutionalized racism and i agree it's in fucking everything and it it saps our energy and our ability to like succeed together as a people blah blah etc not blah blah but like etc there's many many urgent yeah and we don't do preventative health care we only do reactionary health care our education system's fucked and if you invested really well in that everything else would get better but we just don't do it Etc. Etc. But above those all, poisoning the planet seems like the underlying yeah. thing that, at minimum, you have to achieve. Not doing that to me. So, um, but that's one of the problems, right? If I had a million dollars, I would probably spend a hundred thousand of that ex- investigating and vetting charities to make sure, like, I'm not just making myself feel good. It's actually doing something. Yeah. Yep, it's a it's a wild world out there, turns mm. out. Yep. Hot take from your friend Bob Bueller. <laughs> uh, uh, question 16. Favorite holiday? Halloween. Easy. Woo! With a bullet. Probably a popular say. answer. Yeah. It's it's a just come yeah. on. How do you Great day. Uh 17. What's your go-to drink when you walk into a coffee shop? Uh house coffee black. No nonsense. Very little social interaction or eye contact. Get me out of there. <laughs> Here is my money. Give mm-hmm. me my drink. Thank Give me the much. drug thing that I drink <laughs> that makes me feel the way. Hook it into my veins. Eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe our most controversial question. Ooh. Spell the word gray. Oh, that's weird. I was editing a document about 25 minutes ago. I instinctively spell it G-R-E-Y. Ooh. And it always autocorrects and says, but aren't you American, mate? And I go, <laughs> fuck you. I like it. I also like theater, A-E-A-T-R-E. Like, sue it just, me. It looks classier. <laughs> it looks better. Yeah. Yeah. I like gray. Hmm. Team EY. I love to mm-hmm. say it. Uh, question 19. What's your prized possession? Hmm. Wow. It sucks that it's probably my laptop. <laughs> Well, because I'm a writer. Yeah. It's like if I were pre-internet era, it would be a stack of papers in a drawer. But since I'm not, it's I hate like I hate that it's not like a beautiful flower that I've tended that represents my mother. But it's uh, the hard drive that has all my sketches (laughs) and writing on it, obviously. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty useful. Uh, Question 20. Are you competitive? No, not at all. I hate it. I was a Montessori kid, and it makes me really uncomfortable. Mm, I like it. Was that the best answer you've ever gotten to that question? Pretty good. It's up there. Yes, oh. I won it. I you're, won the question. You're at least going to meddle. I don't know if, you know which one, but you're meddling. I just want to qualify, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
It's an honor just to be nominated. Uh, 21. Do you consider golf a sport? No. I would put it in the game category. That is correct. <laughs> People get mad at me every show for agreeing to that, but that doesn't on. mean it doesn't take tremendous skill. Lots of games do. Oh, a thousand percent more skill I'll ever have. Right, but any sport. Twenty-two. Have you ever played any sports? Only socially, as only as a layman. No, I uh, got in a car accident and suffered brain damage when i was nine and Ooh. among other uh, consequences i got a doctor's note because i had bad vertigo and like was scrupulously kept out of pe or any sports all the way till i was 18 which at the time i thought ruled because all my friends were like peace sucks i can't believe you don't have to do pe like i enjoyed not doing pe and sports because i was a shithead teenager but as an adult like I'm, my coordination and my balance is bad because I never did any physical activity. Mm. So I think I wish I had, but no, only like pick up basketball and things like that. I gotcha. Uh, 23 favorite sport to watch. Ugh. Probably tennis, but mm. I watch even that I watch very rarely. So hardly any sports watching. Gotcha. 24 theme parks. Yeah, Six Flags for sure. Disneyland makes me just feel good to be at, even though I like I, I objectively like roller coasters better than what Disneyland has to offer, the animatronic stuff, but I love the scrupulously manicured feeling of being in a perfect Disneyland world where if you don't fit in, like you're quiet, you're discreetly <laughs> ushered into the underground city and never seen again. Uh, it does feel like a magical world, a magical fascist kingdom. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what else? Oh, deep in the woods in Central California, there is a tourist trap that's an animatronic uh, Lord of the Rings thing built into the forest. And I love that spot. We used to stop oh. there all the time as a family. Interesting. That somehow I've never heard of. Yeah. All right. You give me a whole list of things I got to Google mm-hmm. it. <laughs> love it. Uh, question 25. Dubbed the Ron Bennington after famous radio personality. You're standing in a wrestling ring, and a wave of nine-year-olds, a random mix of boys and girls, are coming down to the ring to fight you. How many nine-year-olds could you beat in this fight? Isn't there an app to calculate this? This feels like BMI, like it should just be <laughs> pencil strength of your spine versus... um. Do they get to all attack at once, or is it Kung Fu movie rules where they respectfully wait and attack you one at a time? <laughs> they just do their idle animation off to the side. Because then I think I could take like 21, 22 before I got tired, and then one nine-year-old could take me. <laughs> any one nine-year-old at any one time feels like you got the edge. But but then realistically, if it's a free-for-all, I only think I'm taking out like three or four before mm. I'm subsumed in the pile of nine-year-olds. <laughs> You just swallowed in the mass. It's just lost to time. Yeah. No, I think it's a respectable number. By the way, if you are looking for that, it's called Hobbiton USA in Phillipsville, California. Oh. And these days it's abandoned. The only thing left is a crumbling Gandalf statue in the forest, <laughs> which is awesome. That's somehow even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> An abandoned that Hobbit You'd just village? be in the woods and you'd see, is that Gandalf the Grey? G-R-E-Y. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gandalf firmly team EY. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 26. What's a game you know you can win? Boggle. Everyone ha- it's I'm notorious. People hate playing with me. I'm a boggle shark. No one and no one I know plays with me more than once. And it must be genetic because the only person who beats me is my uncle who always beats me. And then my 95-year-old grandfather always beats him and therefore me. It's like the visual of the fish eating the bigger mm-hmm. fish eating the bigger. Totally. <laughs> Amazing. Boggle baby. 27. What topic can you discuss the most? Dang. Mm-hmm. That's, no, I just love to admit it, but probably intricacies of depression and <laughs> anxiety and like mental health challenges and issues. Uh, I've been dealing with them ever since that car accident, which was when I was nine. I'm 37 now. So by far the majority of my life. And like I was doing big presentations and dioramas about depression in like junior high. It's been a big focus of my life. And I have a podcast called Tales from the Pit about those issues. So uh, I've read up on it significantly. And then also uh, cheap sci-fi, like the sci-fi of the 50s and 60s. Kind of Ed Wood-ish era. Yeah, but I mean the written material more than film. Like your uh, magazine, you know, the guys who are smoking pipes and like pounding typewriters in like a magazine office. Yeah. (laughs) In what I have to assume is a black and white office, because that's the mm-hmm. only way I can picture those Fast rooms. Fast talking high trousers. Oh, yeah. Empty whiskey bottle. Mm-hmm. Nothing in it. Uh, 28. Favorite place you visited? Ooh. Uh, probably a place called Waterfoot K in Belize. Ooh. And favorite place there was this one hike you go on. Where you hike uh, through the jungle, jump off a giant rock into like this water area, pull yourself along a rope into an underground cavern that becomes pitch black, and you like inner tube through the cavern, and you come out, and then there's all these Mayan ruins and like a pyramid. That was oh, awesome. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, really, really cool. Uh, 29. What's your catchphrase? Hmm. Well, if I am being honest, it's probably bing bong. But <laughs> if I could write one, it would be be stupid for successful living. Ooh. Which is a t-shirt I had until I got too fat and I had to throw it away. <laughs> that I found at a thrift store. And that's been my personal motto for my whole career. But bing bong is a placeholder punchline that I use to make my partner laugh frequently where it's like, it stands in for, I would make a funny or like, there's an opening for a funny, obvious joke. I just go bing bong. And they go, yeah. yeah," Or like someone says something suggestive in a reality show. And instead of that's what she said, bing bong means like joke has passed. (laughs) Joke has transpired. Yeah. I don't have to write it. You know, something that I would say, (laughs) (laughs) you know, something clever and funny. Like I would say, Bing bong. Love it. Uh, question 30. What's the best costume or cosplay you ever wore? Venture Brothers, the Monarch. It was Ooh. so good. It was a college cost- Halloween costume, and it was so good that I'm constantly looking for a 
I know there was like a photo of it, but I can never find that photo. Ooh. I refuse to log on to Facebook again, so it's probably gone. <laughs> probably for the best, yeah. Uh, 31. Have you ever had anything named after you? Oh, um, only things that I made are like, you know, <laughs> sketches or web series where I inserted mm. my name or myself into the concept. No, though. No, I can't think of anything. Although uh, I've been very honored and touched by certain or, you know, fans have sent me paintings uh i've got one sculpture i got a funko pop that looks like me so i've had oh, wow graven images made of me but they don't have names although you'd assume their names are michael swim because <laughs> they're be images sure of me that? but who can be sure <laughs> they're called bing bong yeah course. i do have a small collection of bing bongs yes 52 hobby you dedicated the most time to wait 52 oh did i say 52 we must have just skipped ah 32. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> like, there's no way. <laughs> We're traveling through time too quickly, Michael. Exactly. Uh, yes, 32. Hobby, you dedicated the most time to. Uh, rapping, by far. Mm. Yeah, rapping. Um, because I'm a writer and I enjoy performing as well. And I'm suspicious that I have ADHD, or I at least have an inability to control my thoughts. Uh, rapping is meditative. It's incredibly poetry's kind of dead, which in our as far as being very popular in the zeitgeist, like people mm. don't spend a lot of time thinking about poetry. But I love poetry, and I always have. Obviously, there's no living in it, and there's no living in rapping, which is why I call it a hobby for me, at least. Which is why I call it a hobby. But uh, I'll say this: I've been doing it for 15 years. I do it a lot, and I'm very, very good. <laughs> wow, that is fascinating. Yeah. Uh. 33, who's a celebrity you had a crush on? Mila Kunis. Ooh. Mila Kunis from that 70s show era when I was age appropriate to have that crush. Now it would be weird. <laughs> I think that might be our first back-to-back -back celebrity crush uh, from the last episode as well. Oh, yeah. Mila was the last <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Also, back like, immediately off the head. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Two kunai back to back. <laughs> the kunai. <laughs> uh, 34. What's the strangest job you ever had? Uh, writing. It was sitting in a theater next to Macaulay Culkin, uh, mm -hmm. talking over the movie Space Jam, like MST3K style, making jokes, improvising jokes. So then Macaulay Culkin could write down all the jokes and pick his favorites and then go to an event where he was gonna speak over Space Jam MST3K oh. style and needed some jokes prepared for that. <laughs> My God. But then perform them as if he was coming up with them, you know, off the top of his head, which is how MST3K works, by the way, as well. No shade thrown to Macaulay Culkin. They have a team yeah. of writers. But yeah, getting so like writing for Macaulay Culkin to do an MST3K thing was quite weird <laughs> that is amazing uh yeah did were you in silhouette the whole time like msd3k right. or yeah and macaulay did the hands on the cheeks thing in silhouette <laughs> it was perfect smoking Good. a cigarette <laughs> uh 35 book you'd recommend the world to read 
Snow Crash, Neil Stevenson. Ooh. Anyone said that one? No. Okay. Vonnegut's Vonnegut and Harlan Ellison are my faves, but of any one single book, it would be Snow Crash for sure. Oh, excellent choice. Uh, 36, a movie that always makes you laugh. Oh, well, for me, uh, fans of mine will know this. I've been championing this movie for a long time. That would be the 90s is Freaked. Have you ever heard of it? Not Freaks, not Todd Browning's Black and White Freaks about the Freak Show. I feel like I Brother have. Freak, starring and directed by Alex Winter, who plays Winters, who plays Bill in Bill and Ted's in the Bill That's and Ted right. movies. So the one who's not Keanu Reeves, who you don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. After the Bill and Ted movies, the first two were hits. He took a, the bulk of his money and used it on this screwball comedy with outrageous effects. Randy Quaid, Keanu Reeves, in what I argue is his finest performance as um, a dog-faced man who you can't tell is Keanu Reeves because he's under so much makeup. Mr. T, Bobcat Goldthwait, like a hilarious uh, piece of film with a very 90s punk vibe. Butthole surfers do the soundtrack. It kicks ass. (laughs) Yeah, freaked. Check it out. Wow. Fully watchable for free on YouTube because no one saw it. (laughs) Uh, 37. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? The Spirit, directed by Frank Miller. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I movie hopped with someone and we watched Doubt, which was good. The movies were, we watched three movies by movie hopping that day. And I just remember the descending feeling. (laughs) Or no, it was, we watched Benjamin Button and we were like, that was fine. Yeah. And then we watched Death Race. That was, those were the three. And we were like, that was schlocky, but fun or whatever. And we watched The Spirit, and we were like, that's the worst movie I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like, we've reached a nadir. We're being punished for movie hopping. I highly <laughs> recommend watching it. It is so bad that it's like your, ma- your jaw's on the floor. Um, Frank Miller, of course, famously not a film director, doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. It's a mess. I love it. Uh, 38. Who's your favorite actor? Or actress. Oi, it was Kevin Spacey for a long time. Ooh. Then when that was unacceptable, it was Chris Cooper. Ooh. I think that's still acceptable, but nowadays, yeah, favorite. Favorite's a word that I gotta pass. Favorite's a word that really trips me up. So I can just say a bunch of people I like, but everyone's acting is so specific and different. Like uh, Olivia Coleman is. Mm probably it comes to mind but but then i'm like but that's so different than you know i don't know i love them too much to choose (laughs) that's fair that's fair uh 39 how cool was it in jurassic park when the raptors were running through the kitchen yeah it was cool (laughs) it was good (laughs) it's a great sequence uh spielberg's a genius i think that's objectively true yeah. I think the Beatles are a good band. <laughs> <laughs> enough time has passed, enough yeah. evidence is towards it. Yeah, I think right. that's fair. Uh, question 40. First show as a kid you got really into? Mm. I was just rewatching Dinosaurs. Ooh. The Henson show, a sitcom about dinosaurs. You might not believe this, but the writing doesn't really hold up. It's not that funny. Um, let's see. 
But I, so I'm like casting my mind back through dinosaurs, through the sea monkeys show, through bump in the night. Uh, what, what's the earliest, earliest, earliest might genuinely be the Mario, the live action Mario brothers show. Mm. Captain Lou Albano. Yes. Yes. Or, uh, or Eureka's castle. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. One of those. Batsy. I don't know. Something like that. I don't remember their names at all. I just remember that I religiously watched Eureka's castle and, uh, read between the lions, which was like a lesser known, but still good puppety children's show. Mm. How you to read. I'm going to assume they all have Captain Lou Albano in them. That's just my sure. own headcanon. Why not? <laughs> if anyone oh, wants the dragon's correct... name was Magellan, I think. Magellan. I think that was a thing. I think you might be right. Yeah. If anyone has a correction, leave it as a uh, Apple Podcast review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a trick I have. Uh, question 41. Who should play you in a movie of your life? You know... Maybe it's because we're on a Zoom call staring at each other, but oh. I got to go Bob Buell. <gasps> oh, we're pretty same guy. <laughs> you take those glasses off and we're basically the same guy. 90s movie. Exactly. Like, <laughs> totally. Sixpence and then the richer starts playing as they take my glasses off. <laughs> Bling swing. <laughs> uh, question 42. Who's the biggest celebrity you ever met in person? Um, the first that comes to mind, no, he's good. It depends what circles you run in. So, like, I was at UCSD, and we were doing a performance of Death of a Salesman or rehearsing, and Arthur Miller himself wandered in because he heard oh, that wow. was happening and watched our rehearsal. I didn't mean him, though. I just heard later that old guy in the audience was Arthur Miller, and I'm like, I thought he was dead. But, um, <laughs> shortly, a few years later, he was. But, uh. No, okay, okay, but the better story, because I can't overestimate at the time how big he was to everyone in my universe and what an honor it was. When at Just for Laughs, I got in an elevator, and it, and another man got in the elevator, and it was just me and Louis C.K., baby, the Ooh, master himself. Boy. So thrilled to meet him. And of course, this was like, you know, years before <laughs> the incidents came to light. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different spin now, but at the time, I was like, this is wild! (laughs) (laughs) Now it's wild for slightly different reasons, but still... Right. I was in an enclosed room with him. I'm lucky I got out unscathed. (laughs) Wow. Very cool. Shout out Arthur Miller, I guess? Uh, (laughs) 4T3. TV show or podcast that you love, but you don't think anyone else knows about. I hate it to the depths of my soul because of the nature of the Monopoly conglomerate, uh, but they're both Amazon shows. If I'm being honest, the ones that come to mind, pet pet favorites that I'm still to this day like proselytizing about that people don't watch enough. Patriot, it's only two seasons, but I think it really reveals Stephen Conrad, the creator and writer, as like, whoa, this guy's a force to watch out for. And uh, the other one, also on Amazon that I'm in love with right now, is called Undone which there's two seasons of, but I don't think it's been canceled yet. It's got Bob Odenkirk and it's almost in that scanner darkly style where it's like rotoscoped animation. It's quite good. Oh, very cool. Again, about processing trauma, (laughs) which I'm interested in. Noticing a theme. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 44 favorite comedian. 
Hmm. I should know this off the top of my, or like, you'd think that I would have curated this answer, but I more have favorite sketch troops, because uh, that's what I most, when it comes to comedy, that's been most of my work is sketch comedy. Um, so, I, but trying to be faithful to the answer, I'm trying to think of who would really be my favorite stand up comedian. And again, I'm burned in the long run because at one point it would have been Dave Chappelle. But I do take serious issue with his like constant transphobia that he just won't yeah. back away from. And it's like, you could just talk about other stuff. But, um, <laughs> but so now I'd probably update that too. Well, I do think Eddie Izzard's phenomenal. Mm. Um, Eddie Izzard's been a real through line for me as far as stand-ups go. Um, and I really love Brian Regan, who's a slightly lesser known, but still well-known, like clean comedian. It, or at least it's interesting to me because that's what he goes out on or he markets himself as. But he's actually just a very like a uh, blue collar, excellent joke smith. Like as a writer, I find his jokes well written, well delivered, very clever and insightful. And uh, as far as the younger crop of folks, I don't think I'm original in saying this, but like I've loved Bo Burnham since he was just a teenager doing YouTube videos. And I think he's matured quite nicely and is pretty brilliant. Oh, yeah. He's finally getting his, his moment in the spotlight, like, right. really in the spotlight. Yeah, and... but I remember, like, going to YouTube and watching his 3.14 Apple Pie rap just <laughs> dropped live. Like, I, that was, I remember these things. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, 45, best Saturday Night Live cast member. Hmm. Let's see what Google says. <laughs> I don't care about Saturday Night Live at all. Oh, so I know what I'll say. My friend, uh, Beck Bennett. <laughs> hey, there you go. So Beck uh, and Kyle Mooney and, and Nick Rutherford, uh, who was a writer for a time on SNL, they comprise a sketch troupe who were friends with us as we were coming up uh, and who we, you know, for a time, were like genuine pals with. I really enjoyed working with them. And um, they all three were in my movie comedy horror movie called kill me now which you can also find on youtube for free if you care to watch it it's quite funny too and i remember filming uh scenes in that and by the end of the scene like telling back bennett who was an undiscovered talent at that time other than his troop good neighbor uh you're gonna be famous dude <laughs> or like it's one of the few times i called it i was like of everyone on set right now, like you are a force to watch act in comedy. You are going to be famous. And I was very gratified because then he got cast on SNL like um, uh, two years later or something. Let's see what, um, but probably Eddie Murphy, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Saturday Night Live cast member. Number one, Chris Farley. Okay. Yeah. The Google tells us what to believe. So Chris Farley is my The almighty mom. Google. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, Beck. You were so you were so close in the run there. <laughs> uh, Forty six. What's the nerdiest thing you've done? Probably rap in Elizabethan in iambic pentameter about Shakespeare, shirtless in a forest, as part of a crack sketch, which you can see online if you look up MC Will Shakespeare rap. That's definitely still on there, and that will I think show you both. That I really have worked at becoming good, a good rapper, at least the writing side of it, for sure. And uh, that I'm super, super nerdy. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the one yeah, two punch. Check, 
checking with the judges. Yeah, they're gonna allow that. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, forty-seven least favorite state. Utah. Ooh. <laughs> You're on notice, Utah. Uh, 48. Best thing you ever won. Hmm. Have I won anything? I don't sign up for contests or games of chance. I never play the lotto or anything like that. I don't gamble. Just have a lack of interest in those things. Uh, oh, well, I mean... We won the Webby Award for Best Comedy Website, which I guess is like a big deal, yeah. or it was in my career. But I, but favorite thing I've ever won was probably uh, the I won the Arthur Wagner Acting Award when I graduated from college, and I got my bachelor's in theater acting for the stage. And I got really frustrated, which is why I eventually turned to writing and became a writer. I mean... I guess you can count me as an actor because I did hundreds of sketches and acted in them, but I do think of myself as primarily a writer because Ooh. they would never cast me in shit and they would always say I was too tall or just didn't look right. Like they would always say, not to toot my own horn, but I never, but I completely crashed and burned. So I feel like I can't toot my own horn. Um, I would often be told your audition was great. Like you nailed it. You look weird next to the person we already cast because <laughs> you're too tall or whatever. Mm. So I was constantly overlooked in what I felt were frustrating ways or cast in the chorus where I would do six hours of makeup and just sing backup. Like, you know, everything was not worth it, really. And then at the end of the four years, I got the best actor of class award that all the professors vote on, wow. which confirmed to me that they fucking knew I was good and they still wouldn't cast me in anything. <laughs> Which is why my people who know me know I my longtime creative partner is a guy named Abe Epperson, and we met at school and we started doing our own shit because no one would work with us. So that's wow. sort of how it all started. Oh, led you down this road. Uh, forty nine. Is there anything you've collected or had a collection of? Only Magic: The Gathering cards mm. because of their actual functionality. Oh, and as I as previously mentioned, or maybe we weren't recording yet. No, we were. I talked about Spider-Man. Um, Scud the Disposable Assassin, which is one of my favorite comics of all time. I collected that as individual issues as it was coming out, which was a big deal because no one's ever heard of it. And like at the time. So if you know it, it's probably because, you know, the name Rob Schraub and Dan Harmon, who are creative partners. Dan Harmon, of course, creator of Community. Uh, Rob Schraub, director of the Sarah Silverman program, and together they created Monster House. Dan Harmon, of course, Rick and Morty, blah, 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 blah. But I was a fan of this obscure comic book that they did when they were just two no-names in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they self-published this black-and-white action comic called Scud the Disposable Assassin, and it's fucking rips, and I collected that individually, and um, there were only 25 issues, like the story completes, and mm -hmm. Rob Schraub did 24 issues and said the whole time that the plan was to do 25. And then I believe broke, uh, broke up his marriage or at least left his girlfriend left him or they mutually. And I don't know the messy details, yeah. but went into a really dark place and did not release the 25th issue for 12 years. <laughs> so Whoa. I was waiting on the, it used to release monthly. And then it didn't release for like 12 to 15 years. And he finally did come back and finish it with an epically long final issue. 
Now you can find it. It's called Scud the Disposable Sass and the Whole Shebang. And it's the best comic I've ever read, personally. What a cliffhanger on the yeah. last issue. But even worse, Dan Harmon had a spinoff series he helmed called Lacosa Nostroid about robot mafiosos that was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> and it was only going to be nine issues or something. And after eight issues, he got community and he just never returned to it. So it just, right before the last issue, it just ended. Leaving you right on the edge. Yeah. Uh, question 50. Dubbed the Ryan Davis and the last of the fighting questions, I swear. You're in a fight to the death. <laughs> with another person equal to your size. You're offered either an aluminum baseball bat or a six-inch non-serrated knife, knowing the other weapon you don't choose goes to your opponent. So which do you choose, knife or bat? Baseball bat, for sure. Because Ooh. I think that with a knife, I would dislike the sensorial feeling of stabbing. I've never stabbed a human. Ooh. And I actually think I would instinctively not want to do it. And I want to win the fight. And I think I could convince myself more easily to swing the bat as hard as I can. Whereas I'd be like, ew, I'm about to stab someone. <laughs> you know, that would be more difficult to wrap my brain around. Did you know that Scud the Disposable Assassin had a Sega Saturn game in 1997 that uh, Jeff Gerstmann called surprisingly good? Fun fact for you there. But who has time for all these fun facts when we have so much more show left? So many more questions for Michael Swain. But first, let's take a quick second to shout out the people who do the wonderful music for this show, like the song you're hearing right now from the Mini Vandals, the song that's going to play, taking us back in from break, DJ Williams, the opening song from Diala, or the closing one from Single Friend. And hey, if you feel so inclined, in between your looking at eBay listings for Sega Saturns, you can give us five stars, or you can subscribe or follow us on Twitter. Hey, whatever you want to do. But uh, let's get back to the show. We got one more thing before we get back to the show. Something brand new, something I'm very excited about. It's the 99 Questions hotline? Hotline. Sure, that's what we're going to go with. I created a phone number for you to call. You can leave me a voicemail. If you have questions for me, if you have questions about the show, if you have questions for future guests, you can call in, leave a voicemail, and your voice might be the one actually asking the question live on the show. Well, not live. It's pre-recorded. But you know what I mean. I got the number right here. 732-592-9838. That spells out Real Wax Vet. That's right. Real Wax Vet. Like a veterinarian who's really made of wax. I don't know. All the good numbers are taken, so this is the closest one I could get. Real Wax Vet. One more time, that's 732-592-9838. Give it a call, leave a message, have a great day.
So, Michael, you've obviously done a whole lot in your career here. Yeah. Um, and please stop me if I'm grossly incorrect. But if I had one question for you, what do you know I do? Uh, I just want to ask you about The Simpsons. Mm. You're a fan, right? <laughs> I'm not oh, getting yeah. misinformation here. Okay. No, one of my prime memories that is that I, I still wonder it. I don't understand how my dad was this savvy mm. because because it was the first episode. But my dad actually sat us down. And to watch Simpsons roasting on an open fire at the premiere of the first one and was, and told us, uh, you're a little young for this, but like, pay attention. This is going to be a really important show. And he was right. And we watched it as a family religiously for like 13, 14 years. (laughs) Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, An all time favorite for sure. Um, my dream for a long time and kind of still would be to write with that group. And, uh, the, specifically the humans in that group who largely moved on to Futurama. So like my current dream would be to write with for Futurama, mm. which I don't think is going to happen, but yeah, definitely. Wow. I, now, I, I, I will give you credit. I think I stole a quote from you because I had the, the luck of interviewing Bill Oakley, one of the showrunners oh, wow. yeah. for seasons six and seven. That's awesome. Who shot Mr. Burns season? Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe on an old podcast episode, you quote, and it's burned in my brain forever. And I really hope I'm attributing it to the right person because it would be super embarrassing if I didn't. Uh, but I believe you said on a, a, an old cracked podcast that The Simpsons, especially like those prime, you know, two through 10 kind of years, mm. has the pacing of a comic strip. And it's something that I can't oh, yeah. get at yeah. every time I rewatch old Simpsons episodes, like the weird non sequiturs and cutaways just to gags just because. Like it truly has unreal pacing that are uh, always two to three beats or you're like, that was a far side. And then yeah. a Calvin and Hobbes and then a far <laughs> side. Yeah. Or they just cut across town and do a two line joke. Yeah. yeah. It, it It's forever burned in my brain. So I, I, first off, I thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and secondly, uh, for, for people who want to hear it, uh, Bill Oakley I kind of explained why, because all those writers were just obsessed with mad magazine. Like, that's what they grew up on. It was like that and Letterman. So it was like Mm -hmm. the pacing of all those jokes. And I I now have you to thank for burning that (laughs) that in my brain forever. Uh, Letterman, there was a book of Letterman top 10 list that was also one of my first, like, coveted comedy possessions for sure. And unfortunately, nowadays, I would say uh, his vibe is a little angry, weird to me. (laughs) But um, Scott Adams is written comedy mm. and like dave barry was also big at the time big trouble stuff like that yeah oh i love it uh but we got so many more questions let's you know? do it yeah i could i could be attributing quotes to you all day <laughs> but where, where would we uh 51 what's your phone wallpaper right now oh i thought you were gonna say phone number phone number <laughs> area code Let's see. I dox everyone who's been on this show. It's a really Um, unpopular project. It looks like it's, oh yeah, it's a picture taken out the door of a barn at a field in Michigan where I was visiting some friends. Ooh, very cool. Uh, 52, what's the last thing you Googled? Who is the best SNL cast member of all time? (laughs) Which obviously we know. Asked and answered. Chris Farley. 53. You have to name your next pet without seeing them. What do you name them? 
Mustard. Ooh. I like it. I like it, and I think it fits for almost any genus. Yeah. <laughs> a potentially horse. You could nickname a musty. It's all good. Yeah. Ustard. 54. What professional wrestler would you compare yourself to? Mankind, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Shout out to Mick Foley. At least my, at least the vibe I present in my comedy work. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I can say it. Yeah. Uh, 55. What's your comfort food on a bad day? Bean, cheese, and rice burrito. With Ooh. super thin, watery, very red, very spicy hot sauce. Hmm. Very thin hot sauce? Yeah, as opposed to pico de gallo. You know oh, what I mean? I gotcha. Like the actual fully liquid red hot sauce. Understood. Very wow. strong. Uh, 56. Favorite smell? Cinnamon bun. <laughs> Probably mentioned before. Ever? Uh, yeah, like yeah. in an oven, you know? Yeah, fresh cinnamon cooking. Or just onions and garlic in oil cooking. Everyone knows yeah. that. Where you smell and you go, something smells good. And they're like, it's just onions and garlic and oil <laughs> heating up. Like, I just started. That always smells good. The smell of opportunity. Yeah. Whatever's going in that pan next, you yeah. know it's going to be good. Uh, 57. Best candy. My brain said Charleston Chew, which I do genuinely like, but I think that's more because I was just watching Futurama. Um, (laughs) And it's heavily, there's like a lot of uh, product placement for Charleston Chew in that show, if you're not aware. Oh, I know. For me, it's probably a thing called the Big Cherry, which is like a chocolate haystack shaped thing that inside has this weird insulation like, but very delicious pink cherry foam. And then inside that, is maraschino liquid, and then inside that is an actual cherry. But it's like ten times the size of a cherry. (laughs) Inside is an actual cherry, but it's like encased in goo. Like a little marushka (laughs) doll, like stacking nesting dolls. Wow, very cool. Check them out next time you're at the gas station. Big cherry. Very good. Well, I mean, you get it's ad-advertised. I can't Mm -hmm. argue that. Uh, 58. Worst candy. Circus peanuts are bad, but I will eat them if I'm desperate. Uh, As I've gotten older, I actually find the Lucas and the Mexican candy more and more palatable, which would have been my original answer. I've always loved candy corn. I don't know what people's problem with that is. Mm -hmm. What's bad? Oh, I actually think black licorice does taste bad to me. And I like light anise taste, but that's just too much. It's too much anise at once. (laughs) So. Yeah, black licorice was bad when I was a kid and has stayed bad, I think. (laughs) Too much anise. I've said it. Mm -hmm. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand (laughs) times. Uh, 59. What's a restaurant you'd recommend? I'm going to be elitist and say Birdsong in San Francisco, which is the nicest restaurant I've ever been to in my life. It was part of the proposal treasure hunt sequence. Uh... Two Michelin stars. And what I'll say about it is when you pay like $300 per person for an evening of food, if you're like me, you always go in thinking, I'm sure it will be good. But it won't taste like $300 better than a burger or pizza that's $12 or whatever. Yeah. But 
this place actually did. We bit into stuff and it had undertaste and like a story and an arc of flavor, like Holy minutes cow. of flavor would develop in your mouth. And we both agreed. We were like, this actually is like magic, like a full step above what food normally is like. Yeah. Where it, like in in terms of complexity and how it's actually an experience. It's almost like going to a movie of flavors. <laughs> that Super is good. fascinating. So yeah. I recommend actually putting the money down on any ridiculously, like outrageously Michelin starred place near you. I do think it's worth it to do once in a while if you can. I love it. Uh, 60. What's a food you've never eaten? Ooh, koala. <laughs> Though it's not off the table. It's like Someone on our, in the history of mankind has ever eaten it. That makes it food. <laughs> you know, as far yeah. as I'm concerned, yeah. <laughs> oh, Michelin star koala. All right. Now <laughs> Ooh, we're talking. The things they could do with an animal that cute. <laughs> 61. Strangest food that you have eaten. Hmm. I used to do deep dives into weird, gross, international. I mean, I shouldn't say gross because it's like <laughs> derogatory to the cultures potentially. But I mean, foods that to me seem objectionable, like balut and stuff, where mm. I was very interested in like, or like this uh, island people that take giant, that take seal skins and hollow them out and then catch hundreds of tiny starling birds and oh. bury them in the sand of the beach in the seal skin and let it rot all summer and then open it up and slurp it down, baby. <laughs> I forget what it's called, but that's a thing. That's a food. Anyway, I've never had any of those, so I guess I'll say caviar. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very long road. Of <laughs> yeah. Weird like to me, it. but nothing. Yeah, I don't know. No, totally counts. Nothing super weird. Uh, 62. What's a typical day off? video games for eight or nine hours <laughs> nice. because it happens so rarely mm. i'm a workaholic uh i have like four or five and a half jobs depending on how you cut it because i do the small beans podcasting which is certainly not a full week's worth of work but we regularly release stuff at all times which also involves imbibing a lot of media uh i have a day job and i also on on the side work on screenplays and television projects because I'm constantly trying to jump to traditional media as well. Yeah. Any any particular game you're playing uh, these days? Yeah, Divinity 2 Original Sin. Ooh. Very Sin good way trick. to kill roughly 359 hours. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, th that might come up on a future mm -hmm. uh, question here. Uh, 63. Bucket list item you accomplished. I guess making a movie, but I don't want to give myself that because I am a depressive person. Um, I've made, or I was part of this movie called Kill Me Now that I wrote the screenplay for, produced, was in, but didn't direct. And so Ooh. in my mind, I have yet to actually successfully make a movie. Also, it failed to reach distribution. It was shown in like 35 theaters nationwide, but only on an individual basis for like a few showings a night for a week. It never got, it wasn't like a, what I consider a real movie. It's not on Netflix. It was never mm. in theaters nationwide. So, so, but I get reflected back to me when I tell people 
Um, I could just die happy if I could make one movie. They're like, you did. You made that one movie. And I was like, I know, but it's not real. And they're like, a bunch of people who are famous now are in it. It's real. And I was like, not really. So, but, but I'll accept that. I'll say make a movie because I have made one movie technically. Absolutely. Uh, 64, bucket list item you probably won't accomplish. Right with the Futurama team, which is so, <laughs> which is, uh, I got to admit, kind of torture for me personally because I have the poor habit of comparing myself to others around me. And I'm Ooh. so close. I happen to be one degree of separation. Like I have friends personally who do write for Futurama, oh. which, and I don't mean to brag or name drop. And in fact, I won't say their names, but I'm like, to me, somehow that feels weirder than knowing in an abstract way, some people get to write for Futurama, but like people I used to work with side by side now, write For Futurama, I want to, I want to do that. <laughs> oh. Hey, tomorrow's another day. Analyzing. Yeah. Uh, 65, uh, dubbed by previous guests, our realist question of the bunch. Oh. Name of a friend you don't keep in contact with, but regret it. Kevin Clark. Whoa. Right That's off easy. the easy. And he'll never hear this, so it's fine. Uh, 66. What's a game that makes you feel nostalgic? There's this new one-player RPG, which is a, if you're familiar with tabletop or pen and paper RPGs, that's an unusual statement. Hmm. Uh, it's a single-player RPG, which is essentially a complex series of writing prompts, almost a much more gamified choose-your-own-adventure novel in some ways. But Good you end story. up writing almost a short novella's worth of material yourself by rolling dice and getting prompts and having skills that you gain and lose and things happen to you and it's called thousand year old vampire and you end up with a chronicle of a thousand years of your life as an undead person you know through as society oh. changes and changes and it's highly gamified it really does feel like a real game you're often forced into things like well you have to kill someone dear to you and you have to justify it in the story and you have to use this weapon and it has to be in this location you know and you like write a yeah. little journal entry and then you continue for forward it's great that's a thousand really year old cool. vampire yeah love it uh 67 what game have you spent the most time playing um if you mean any game at all probably dungeons and dragons because it's like the er game if you're into complicated games but if you're talking video games, then I know for a fact that it's Hades. And I, Hades oh. is not my favorite game, but for whatever reason, I just checked, saw Steam, like, congratulations, you've played Hades for 350 hours. And I was like, really? <laughs> Damn, that time really got away from me. I'm pretty sure that's the most time I've put into a game. Wow. Uh, and Hades is great, but oh, I was yeah. surprised to learn that I played it for that long. I mean, it the whole cycle of that game is just like, yeah, one more. Never ending. One yeah, more, exactly. yeah. So I Like, I, I don't know it. how long I've played Civ, but if the computer told me it was hundreds of hours, I'd go, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 60. 68. What's something you built with your own hands? A sculpture of a tree frog 
climbing up a trunk of a tree, and then the trunk's hollowed out, and it's a flower vase. Ooh. But, you know, sculpture. Or I took ceramics class in college, basically. That's what it boils down to. Hey, still. But I still have it, and I like it. Yeah, it's cool. I'm glad I have a thing I made. Awesome. Uh, 69. Best pickup line. Fitting question, given the number. Mm-hmm. Um, best pickup line. Wow. I'm completely out of the loop on pickup lines. I have always only developed relationships organically from friendship <laughs> to romance, you know, over time. Uh, so old fashioned. This. <laughs> but so I'll just say one I like from Futurama, which is I do find the most erotic part of the woman is the boobies. <laughs> That's a good pickup line in terms of comedic value. It's really solid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, question 70. Have you ever had any good nicknames? Yeah. Uh, Daniel O'Brien, who was my main sort of collaborator uh, in terms of writing and acting at Cracked and we're often paired together because we did a couple series together uh, always called me Bones and I think that's really cool <laughs> and I cool. wish people today called me Bones um, and of course Daniel and I are still friends but he moved to New York and I live on the West Coast so there are not enough people around me on a daily basis calling me Bones which is a <laughs> disappointment just have it on a name tag or something. Yeah. Like, it, it's got to catch out eventually. Uh, 71. Do you believe in love at first sight? No. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. 72. What's a big turnoff of yours? Littering. Throwing stuff out the car window. Ooh. Which I still see. People do fairly frequently. I don't know if it's a thing where I live, but uh, I bring it up because I am shocked to still commonly see people, including people like I'm in the car with or just people at intersections, dump stuff out their car window. That would like if I was on a date and we were transporting from one location to the next and they threw a bottle out the window, I'd be like, this is doomed. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's wild that that is still happening. A thing, yeah. Uh, 73. Do you consider yourself an artist? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Above all. Love it. 74. What's something you tried to cook and failed? Uh, egg yolk ravioli in a brown butter sage sauce. Because Ooh. it's one of the final challenges that they do often on Top Chef. Uh, and uh, it looks really good. I like those ingredients. Uh, it's egg yolk and ricotta. And then, but the way I screwed it up is I don't have a pasta roller. And I actually did manage to keep the egg yolks scrupulously intact and ooh. make this delicious brown butter sage sauce and blah, blah, blah. But then when you bit into the ravioli, it was like like an inch thick of Play-Doh dough, you know, before. <laughs> so it was like inedibly terrible. I mean, all things considered, a real though, disappointment. You know, I feel like if I banged it out a second time, I actually could achieve it. And then, how impressive is that? Yeah, you made egg yolk and ricotta ravioli with brown butter sage sauce. Are you <sighs> kidding me? Could have won Top Chef. Yeah. Come on, 
75 dubbed the Ben Hansen after the first guest of this here show. What's the greatest piece of art ever made? Mm. Not anything too hyperbolic. For me, I what's a good fit for me will be different than other people. I'm highly imaginative, so I think it would probably be a book in the sense that I do get the most out of things where I have to meet the medium halfway and fill a lot of it in with my own imagination. Mm. Um, so I'm settling on book over film or comic or what, or statue or painting. Damn, though. I mean, a painting can be powerful. There's also probably a song that could be the greatest piece of art. Um, but I'm going to stick with what I said and do book. And then in that case, I think the truly greatest book that checks all the boxes that is like the most important to read would probably be a hundred years of solitude is my final answer yeah Ooh, love it 100 years of solitude um gabriel garcia marquez Ooh. uh 76 have you ever had something happen to you that you yes. would consider oh <laughs> also yes <laughs> Have you ever had something happen to you that you would consider paranormal? Oh, no. I freaking wish, man. No, yeah. never. Yeah, that would be awesome. It'd be so cool to have a good ghost story. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And the people that do, I'm envious of, yeah. Where they're like, no, I'm totally rationally minded. I think science, but <laughs> I saw a fucking Victorian ghost walk through this hotel and they were see-through. And I'm like, damn, I wish that happened to me. I would love to believe in that. Ah. <laughs> uh. I've I, I've mentioned it on several shows. Mm -hmm. This this question is either no or yes, and that is my favorite answer of the whole right. episode. <laughs> yeah, UFO sighting would be even better than a ghost Ooh. for me personally. Yeah, yeah, I want to see a UFO. That would be amazing. Oh well. Yeah. Hey, again, tomorrow's another day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> True. Seventy-seven. Would you ever use a Ouija board? Yes, and I have. Oh. <gasps> And I will again. <gasps> and if the Ouija board didn't want holes punched in it, it shouldn't have been so sexy. <laughs> and if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand I'd, times. The little oracle was on. Yes, that counts as consent in the state of California. <laughs> uh, 78. Simply. Why? <laughs> Very Peter Griffin of you. <laughs> Why? Uh, to try and fully connect with another human being to the point that you understand them, which is actually impossible to achieve. But that's why. I mean, I'm looking at the judges. They're nodding. Yeah. <laughs> 79. If given the chance, when would you time travel to? Oh, I just answered this on uh, one of our shows, Star Trek The Next Futurama, which you can find over at patreon.com slash smallbeans. I love it. Um, but of course, it's a sci-fi show, so we were talking about this topic as well. I would go into the far future uh, because I'm more interested in, like my co-host David Bell said, dinosaur times, which is a perfectly valid answer. But I know it's a huge gamble because mm. what if you go there and it's a wasteland or nature's reclaimed earth and there's other weird animals but nothing intelligent 
And it's like, oh, well, I burned my time travel trip to just see the humanity ended at some unspecified time and then nature reclaimed Earth. But I would go like 500,000 years in the future because what if you get there and there's a galactic Star Trek civilization? Like, I want to see how far we get, you know? Yeah. The temptation would be too great. Would be pretty cool. It's It's crazy to me that, like, even if we do die out or whatever happens, the year 100,000 will still come. Like, that it's just wild that there's that much time in in the universe. (laughs) Yeah. And much more than that, but. There's no end point on the dial of the time machine, you know? Well, there may well be, but it's unfathomably far away. Yeah. It would take so many rotations. Mm -hmm. They would need those iPod click wheels or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, 70, no, 80. Have you ever made a sudden dramatic change to your lifestyle and stuck to it? Um, yeah, I quit drinking. That's probably the biggest one. Stop drinking alcohol. That's a biggie. 81. What game show, past or present, would you love to be a contestant on? Uh, gotta be Jeopardy. Which my Vana guys co-host Alex Schmidt was notably on, which is another <gasps> thing I greatly envy. Um, I've applied many times, never gotten on. I'd love to be on Jeopardy. I did academic league in high school. It would be different now that Alex is gone. Uh, Trebek, yeah. I mean, this time, but I'd still do it. <laughs> <laughs> or if I was going to do any game show, that would be the one. Yeah, I wish I could say that it didn't lose. Jeopardy didn't lose a, a little bit of its luster when when Alex oh yeah passed away, but... Alex cool or whatever but yeah. it's not he was an institution yeah. yeah and he had no brand outside of it he was synonymous with Jeopardy and that's all he was true it just has a different feel <laughs> maybe some vitamins for during, like local mm-hmm. commercials but that's about it yeah. uh, you know fair uh, eighty two what's a quote that you love um. Sleep is the cousin of death. Nas. Excellent. I have a t-shirt with that on it. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good motto for living. <laughs> uh, 83. What's the best shirt that you own? Well, I still own the Be Stupid for Successful Living one, so probably that, but uh, there's a... Hmm, shirt, shirt, shirt. I need more shirts with clever sayings on them. But as far as, like, shirt I like, probably just this teal button down that has a bunch of watermelon slices all over it. I just think it's cheerful and pleasant. That's good. That's good. I don't usually have, like, clever shirts, per se. (laughs) I mean, watermelon's pretty clever. I don't know. Uh, 84. Would you change your middle name? Absolutely. Yeah, it's Matthew. Which to me is texturally the same as Michael. Like if you, I just mean they give you the exact same vibe. You're like, this is a guy named Matthew. You're like, okay, he's probably like this type of guy. This is a guy named Michael. That's a very similar type of guy. Yeah. Um, I'd want something like Michael Alphonse Swaim. Or like, I like each of the three names (laughs) sounding different. And Swaim does sound different than Michael. Matthew feels repetitive. Mm, Michael Bones Swaim. Yeah. I like it. Alphonse uh, hyphen bones uh, <laughs> of the nor'easterly bones. Have the middle name hyphenated. That's mm-hmm. a power move. Yeah, why not? 85. What's a good impression you can do? Hunter S. Thompson, which I uh, discovered because I developed uh, it into a character 
who starred in a web series called Welcome Back, Potter, about what would happen if Harry Potter fled Voldemort and his responsibilities and laid low as a muggle who just uses magic to scam people out of mediocre (laughs) sums of money so that he can continue to get drunk and high and live in a shitty apartment in L.A. And that was another show I got to do with Daniel, the aforementioned Daniel O'Brien, and uh, to disguise themselves rather than use British accents. Harry Potter in our version did a Hunter S. Thompson impression, which I actually think I was quite good at, kind of nailed. And uh, uh, Ron Weasley, played by ably by Daniel Bryan, was just like a New Jersey, a Jersey Shore like shithead. <laughs> she also, of course, crushed. I love it. Can I can I get a little sampling of it? Uh, no. You goddamn vultures! <laughs> You're undermining everything that this country once stood for. Journalistic integrity's flushed down like a goddamn toilet. Stuff like that. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. It's always easy to get into when you go, goddamn pigs and vultures everywhere. <laughs> goddamn it. That's like the trigger word that That's just That's a trigger word, right and then it. you can say anything. Yeah. AT6. Is there a tattoo you wanted to get, but are glad you didn't get? No. I wish I got every tattoo that I thought of because I don't have any tattoos and I wish I had a bunch of tattoos Mm. and I think I will eventually. I still harbor that delusion, (laughs) uh, even though I'm approaching 40, but I always have so much else going on. I want good tattoos and it turns out you have to like research artists and get to know them and contact them and develop a thing together. And then like, if you want a big tattoo, it takes several sessions over weeks and weeks. I just never have the, uh, follow through to do it, but I do want tattoos. I think they're cool. <laughs> oh, that's fair. 87. How would you describe your 16 year old self? Writing, sad, breakup poetry, and masturbating uh, as long as possible, considering it like a high score. Like, how many hours can you go consecutively? <laughs> And then writing poetry about like why I don't understand why girls won't like me. It feels like acid is etched into my heart. <laughs> Shit like that. Somehow the judges are nodding at that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that says, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Eighty-eight. What's the worst injury you ever had? Oh, I mentioned it already. Definitely the brain damage from the car accident. Yeah, that was rough. Still yeah. feeling the consequences of that one. 89. What's a habit of yours you want to break? I think it's a habit we all have, or a lot of us have. But uh, just thinking continuously, I'm addicted to thinking. I think a lot of people are. I find myself in like a hall of mirrors, thinking about thinking about thinking about thinking. Often, like I'm lost in thought, maybe 90% of my life, thinking about like, well, what will I do then? Well, what am I going to do tomorrow? Oh, that's interesting how that'll connect with that. Wait, I already thought that. I should be thinking more productively. What would be productive? Probably not thinking, but I can't stop thinking. So uh, breaking that habit, which takes, it's funny because I med- I'm doing a guided meditation course and they always talk about how the blue, how it, uh, the blue sky idea, which is that your brain already is clear and all you got to do is relax and thoughts fall away. And to me, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like it takes great effort to stamp out the thoughts like they are raccoons burrowing under your kitchen door uh, and you're trying to stop them from like feasting on your, your children. 
Um, <laughs> so like intrusive, actively intrusive. So yeah. I would say, yeah, the ability to control when I think mundane, stupid shit, like tomorrow's to-do list or grocery list or stuff like that. Or that screenplay idea of the raccoons trying mm-hmm. to get in the door. That's yeah. there's, a, there's a treasure trove of something there. Well, no, I actually, I am working <laughs> on a screenplay idea for low budget comedy horror that I do like a lot where a drag uh, show, a group of uh, cross-dressing guys who do a drag sh- drag review are rehearsing with no audience there in like the middle of the night in a during a winter storm in this mountain town and a bunch of starving uh, mountain lions descend into, you know, out of the woods into the town and they get locked in the club with the mountain lions and it's called Fierce. And I think, I think that's... Oh, I was... As Drag you were queens describing it, I was hoping it would have a perfect name. And yeah, <laughs> you got there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I that. love it. 90. Home Ooh. stretch time here. Have you ever lied on your resume? No. I never write resumes Ooh. because I'm a writer actor. <laughs> I audition instead or write sample pieces. Mm, true. 91. Have you ever punched someone in the face? No, never have. Always wanted to or be punched in the face, which I also never have. Meet an alien, punch it in the Mm -hmm. face. That's two off the bucket Mm -hmm. list right there. Uh, 92. Would you ever go to a nude beach? Oh, yeah. And I have. Where do you think I found the Ouija board? (gasps) Oh! Buried suggestively in the sand. Yeah, there's a new beach called Black's Beach in San Diego, and I, my family frequented it at one point. Nice. Which, looking back, some people would be like, that's odd, but I don't know. I was six. It didn't seem weird at the time. (laughs) It's all skin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 93. Somehow, not the realest question. When was the last time you cried? Oh, this is really real for me, though, because um, I'm in the process of adjusting my mood meds. And so I'm on mood meds that aren't a good fit for me right now. So mm. it was three days ago. I all morning was. <laughs> so literally the last time I cried would be I was driving my dog to doggy daycare with my partner in the driver's seat. And I was weeping silently. And they said, why are you crying? And I said, because I know that when I'm die, when I die, I'm just going to stay conscious and I'm going to be in a black void where I'm just alone. And I just experience loneliness for eternity. And I just have this strong feeling that that's what's going to happen to me when I die. So that was the last time I cried. Thanks for asking. <laughs> that's why I'm here, baby. <laughs> uh, 94. What's something you've done and will probably never do again? snowboard just don't have it in my knees anymore i don't think Mm. Uh, 95 best compliment you ever received someone wrote who was on deployment in the middle east and was injured in an ied explosion and recovering in the hospital and having suicidal thoughts and in a very dark place And said that our comedy got them through it, the worst of it, and made them want to live again, which is the greatest compliment I've ever received to the point that I don't believe them. Like other fact 
actors must have contributed, not just our stupid sketches. But I do understand that comedy can be a solace in a dark time, and I'm very honored. That's probably like the one that I was like, whoa, really? Shit. (laughs) We were just like joking around and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, 96. Tell me a joke. Mm, All the ones that surface are horrible uh, jokes that my uncle, because my uncle likes to tell, you know, like actual jokes that are like set up punchline, like popsicle stick jokes. Yeah. Tells the ones that are in the most horrible taste, like really terrible, not racist, which is what you might be thinking, but awful in every other possible way. Um, so I'm trying to filter through those till I think of one. I'll just say something I tweeted yesterday. Sure. <laughs> I'd love to date a matador, but every time I meet one, there's a big red flag. Oh, good. That's a joke. That's, that counts. Yeah. <laughs> I would say tweet it, but it's already done. Mm-hmm. Uh, 97. 97 used to be a question that I came up with that just wasn't all that good. Oh, okay. So I took it and I crumpled it up and I threw it in a recycling bin and sure. I replaced it with the listener question of the week. Uh, and if any of our wonderful listeners out there have a possible question they want to see featured on a future episode, it's 99, of course, the number 99, questionspod at gmail.com or 99questionspod on Twitter. So we got our question this week from Novatic11. Thank you, Novatic. Novatic. Through your long and varied career, is there one piece slash video slash show, etc., you are most proud of? A little sketch called Who Fucked This Pumpkin, which is <laughs> uh, ties uh-huh. to Halloween, my favorite holiday. Also for my money. We did other series and sketches that I'm more proud of in terms of ambition, but I think it hits the sweet spot like to me, who fucked this pumpkin is as funny as the best sketches of the people I idolize. And I and so I'm very just very pleased with that. I really think it's one of my best performances I ever turned in. The premise is stupid, but very strong and straightforward. And uh, a lot of people reflect back to me that that's one of their favorite one off sketches. you know, like sketches that was not part of a series. And I agree with them. I'm not sick of it at all. I watch that sketch again and I'm like, that's a good sketch. We did a good job that time. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Novatic 11. Novatic. Heck of a question. 98. What made you want to be who you are today? My dad taking us to movies every week and playing records and quizzing us on who the members of the band were and Mm. what year this album came out and like stopping movies and going pop quiz, hot shot, like. Do you know how they do that special effect? So definitely my the intersection my life has had with all things pop culture is from my dad. Wow. That's yeah, that's fascinating. Uh but we're right here, top of the mountain. The, <gasps> the titular question. Wow, the eponymous 99th question. 99. What do you want to be remembered for? Who fucks this pumpkin? <laughs> no, uh <laughs> Ooh, uh, in terms of artistic output, probably the project I'm working on now that I'm not going to say more about. Ooh, what a tease. Um, I like it. But I think most artists would say that in the terms of if you're not, if you're lucky enough to make ends meet and free to pursue an artistic project of your choosing, 
why wouldn't it be the thing you're most excited ever to work about? Or why wouldn't you think it's the best thing you've ever done? Because that's what sort of keeps you going and progressing as an artist. Um, so I will always say my current project, but then outside the scope of career, uh, it's dumb, but it's one of those core truths. And Vonnegut said it. He says, babies, you've got to be kind. But just being kind, because humans don't. There is no objective morality in my mind. There's nothing forcing you to be kind. But I do think everything runs more smoothly if you're kind to everyone around you. And uh, rather than being remembered for accomplishments, which are, I mean, I uh, everything's ephemeral. But I do find that ac- accomplishments almost seem hollow in a sense, whereas uh, being remembered as like a light in the lives of the people around you, that's the good stuff. But that will always get you bonus points for me in my mind amazing just not an asshole yeah (laughs) to sum it all up yeah Yeah. i think that's a good one and let me tell you you've been especially kind with your time here today thank you Uh, no thank you for for being here this has been an absolute also oh yes killing godzilla with my penis and then eating him piece by piece (laughs) if we could go back and change that yeah, no, I'll, I'll okay, cut out great. all that other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> uh, Michael, thank you so much for, for being here. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, is there anything you'd want to uh, plug, promote, uh, waft in the ears of our wonderful listeners? Anything at all? Floor yeah, just, just the podcast, which kind of lead to everything else. So if you, I know you're already, I already know you're willing to listen to podcasts because you're hearing my voice. So if you're interested in expanding your listening palette, uh, check out Small Beans wherever you get your podcasts or head to patreon.com slash smallbeans for all of our exclusive behind the paywall podcasts, of which there are some, and uh, other bonus stuff like you actually get to hear about the project that I just hinted at but won't talk about. <laughs> Updates on what we're working on uh, for patrons only. So check that out as well. Michael. Bones, Alphonse, Swaim, what an absolute legend. What an episode. Love chatting with him. And I wish I could do it all day, but the red light's on. It's last call time. Let's figure out what we learned here today. We learned that there are very few irrefutable truths in the world, but out of all of them, the one that I know to hold the most true that the smell of deer sausage really is very unique. We learned that Michelin star restaurants are always worth it. You know what else is worth it? Finishing your comic book series. Come on, Dan Harmon. La Cosa Nostroid is just sitting there for you. The community movie can wait. We learned that the character from Eureka's Castle is Batley, not Batsy, as I said. I apologize for my words and deeds. We learned that any movie commentary is funnier when you're in silhouette. And we learned that film noir just isn't film noir without fast talking and high trousers. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to go step my boggle game up. I'll see you again for our next episode in two weeks. Until then, thank you and good night.